This is Kat. And this is Cherry. And you're listening to Keeping It Creepy with Cherry and Kat. Powered by Quirktastic. Cool. All right. So um, before we start today's episode, <laughs> we've decided we need to apologize for some discrepancies. In the last episode, we were talking about ghost movies. Clearly, our memories are not as great as we thought they were. <laughs> no, but you got us completely organic and <laughs> unscripted. Unscripted. We were both like, oh, we're just picking movies, ghost movies we've seen that we've liked. So we both sat down and we wrote a list and it was like, oh, I like these movies. I don't need to look it up. I'm good to go. Yeah, no, we were mostly good to go. Yeah, we sure did see those movies at some point. We absolutely watched them. But Kat mentioned to me yesterday that we were completely off. Significantly significantly off. off when it came to Mama. And I told her that literally the very next day after we recorded last episode, something said, uh, I feel like that's not how Disappointments Room ended. And so I Googled it. And yeah, I was definitely, I was close, but definitely wrong. Like the, the scenes I was picturing in my mind, I absolutely saw, but my memory was misremembering them. So we apologize if you were like, that's not what happened. And if you hate spoilers, good luck. We didn't actually, we didn't really spoil it for you because we were just not. <laughs> Apparently with Mama, we combined two movies with similar plots. Mm-hmm. We really have seen the movies though, guys. We really did watch them. Yes. Research is important. That's the moral of today's story. <laughs> that is the moral of today's story. I mean, I had seen... Disappointments from my watch just a few months ago. I really thought I really thought I had it, but I don't. But you could tell the ones we loved because we had thirteen ghosts mm-hmm. down pat. Like absolutely, that was, <laughs> there were no issues there. There was what else did we talk Haunting about? Haunting on Hill House. Oh, yeah, Haunting we knew that House. one front. We and knew back. that one front and back. Absolutely <laughs> right. Those you can tell the movies we loved because we definitely remembered those much, <laughs> much better, mm-hmm. much better than the others. But you should still see them because they were all they're all good movies. What are we doing today? Oh, well, because uh, the two of us are actually going on a little uh, trip. Yes. Woo! I'm excited. Yes. So we, we are going to be going to Japan for the first time. Yeah! Woo! <laughs> uh, and we've been planning this for a little while. And so we thought in celebration of our journey that we would talk about some Asian horror favorites. Yes. We are the kind of people we're going to, I'm about to age both of us, so I apologize <laughs> in advance, Kat. But we are from the generation that actually um, used to frequent block, but Blockbusters, children, was a chain <laughs> of uh, video stores where you could rent movies. This was long before you know, Netflix and Hulu and all those streaming services existed. So Blockbuster started, you could rent, you could go in, pay some money, rent a VHS tape for like a day or two and Mm -hmm. return it back. Sort of like Redbox. Yeah. But instead of it being just kind of a, like a vending machine for DVDs inside stores or outside stores, it was a full on store and that was all they had were movies and like TV series and things like that. And one amazing thing about Blockbuster was that they had an Asian horror section. Mm -hmm. And it was nowhere near as big as the other sections, but for a budding horror fan, it was a dream come true. Um, And I personally used to, they had this summer deal where you could pay like one flat fee that was pretty cheap. And then 
get a different movie every single day. And so one summer I just ransacked that horror, that Asian horror section, watched everything that was there and was uh, satisfied because they were great. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's actually um, one of those deal programs is why I know a lot of really obscure horror movies Hmm. up to F. Okay. <laughs> because <laughs> up to F. Up to F because I st- I stayed with my grandparents in Florida one year um, for the summer and we there was absolutely nothing nothing to do because uh, they lived in their, like a retirement area mm-hmm. so every, there was nobody there my age I was like twelve I think or yeah. thirteen something like that not old enough to kind of really go places by myself um, there was the beach and the beach was in, within walking distance but it was across a major highway so I couldn't go there unless the whole family was going so I was really kind of <laughs> trapped and this was this was dial-up internet days guys so my my (laughs) my internet time was quite limited to when my grandmother didn't need the phone line video rental store which is not even a blockbuster was not even high enough to be some mom and pop (laughs) video store store. but I decided (laughs) that I was going to go through the entire horror section and of course I couldn't in a summer but I got through F so I have seen a lot of weird random obscure (laughs) horror movies up to F I, I can say it's sort of the same for me in that Asian horror section because I definitely didn't care what the movie was called, what the mm-hmm. plot was, what the, nope, it was just like, what's the next one on the shelf? I had a, once I realized this is what I'm doing with my summer, I kind of set myself up a system. The guy that worked there, because he saw us so much, actually made a joke that like no one was renting these movies but me. <laughs> so it was sort of the thing where I was able to say, okay, this is definitely the next movie in my lineup because no one's checked anything out but me. And I just kind of did them all in order. I would just take it, watch it, put it back on the, sh- like bring it back. I didn't look at the titles. I didn't care if it was Asian or, I mean, Japanese or Korean. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter. I was going to watch it. And so I've the one that stuck with me was this really odd one of shorts that were just like the most unnerving and creepy sort of things. It was, I have no idea what it's called. Oh, I love short, I lo- especially like short horror film compilations. Yeah. That's my, because even if a couple of them are lame, usually there's enough of them that yes. are good that they stick with you forever. The one that really stuck with me was of this guy who had been captured by a woman and it wasn't, this particular short wasn't subtitled. So I oh. <laughs> don't really know the story, the plot line. No, it was a man and a woman and apparently he had done her wrong because by the end of the short, he was just a head and a torso, Ooh. with no arms and legs. It was pretty creepy. Huh. Um, <laughs> I wish I could find it. One day, someone from the internet land is going to tell us what this movie is, and we're yes. going to rewatch it. And I bet we can find a version with subtitles now because it's 2019. It's 2019. <laughs> someone has subtitled this movie, or at the very least, we might be able to turn some captions on. Oh yeah. If it's online, but I was yeah, it was kind of disconcerting to be like, oh, this one doesn't have subtitles. I'm gonna watch it, but I don't know what's happening. It was. Already very artsy, and you know how that goes. Oh, but, yeah. Yeah. Did I go first last time, or did you go first last time? I don't remember. Neither, we need to start taking we should. track of that. <laughs> <laughs> you can go first this okay, time. Okay, I'll go first this time. One of the movies that I wanted to talk about was uh, Suicide Circle. Um, I used to know the one, what it was called in Japanese, but it's a Japanese film that is very weird. Okay. Um, and I don't think that you've seen it, have you? No, I haven't okay. seen this one, no. So Suicide Circle is about just a wave of strange 
inexplicable suicides that sort of sweep Japan. Mm -hmm. And it starts off with a very disturbing opening. It's a major train station right before the rush hour. So all the platforms totally crowded with people and a lot of them are students. Okay. And everybody's just having, you know, they're talking, they're chatting, they're getting ready for their day, they've got their backpacks on. And then all of a sudden as the train's coming, all the students grab hands, step up to the platform, go one, two, three, and jump. Oh, and it comes okay, out of okay. nowhere. <laughs> oh, okay. And then everyone who's not a student is there like, oh my God. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's kind of a cool movie because it does have like these random, like super shocking moments. But then there's also a lot of lull mm-hmm. that kind of talks about the message, which is basically talking about kind of like the, the bullying and conformity culture in Japan and the, a really high suicide rate. And the fact that fit in in a world where you feel like you're too different. Right. Is that if you, mm-hmm. if everybody, everybody's the same in death in a weird way. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> there's this pop group that's, it's like a fake pop group that's in the movie that keeps performing. Like their songs are always playing in the background. And it turns out that they're like putting suicide messages in their songs. Oh, fun. And so it's kind of like the running joke was Morning Musume killed <laughs> all of these teenagers <laughs> because... It's clearly like a proxy for that kind of a girl group. Um, but the songs are really catchy and it's <laughs> as, they, as they should be to be subliminal messages. Yes. And so I, 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 that was one of my first Japanese horror movies that I had ever seen. And you can't really tell from the old like VHS copy right. what the movie's about because it has a logo on it that almost looks like the Battle Royale logo. Ooh, and okay. so I thought it was going to be like that, and it is definitely not definitely like not that. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> is Battle Royale horror? I don't know. Do you think? I think maybe I would consider. I could consider it. I don't know, but it's also quite more action. It is more action. That's true. It's much. It's it's more. It's not suspenseful. It is more action. Yeah, than, maybe like thriller. Is right. that because it's not necessarily scary or even supposed to be? It's probably thriller. Yeah, maybe yeah. more of a thriller. Although I think. You could make the argument that the manga's more horror, because oh. the manga's really bloody. I always want to get into manga. It's ugly, though. That, <laughs> <laughs> the Not all manga. I love manga. I actually read a lot. I, that's my primary... Much, much more than I do. Yeah, yeah that's my primary, <laughs> I guess, Japanese or Asian. <laughs> right. I, I read a lot of manga, too, uh, of, of that kind of geekery. But it's if it's ugly, I have like this aversion to certain art styles. Yeah, I, I don't read manga because I am not someone who really gets into the artwork, which really upsets my husband because we can read the same, you know, graphic novel, let's say, and it's a graphic novel, very few words. I'm reading it in 30 minutes. He's reading like a page every five minutes because he's just like analyzing all the lines and the color work. And I'm like, I know this person's meant, it's just not, it's just not me. And so, so like the only manga I've ever read is Junji Ito, but okay. that's because, you know, it's horror. And right. It's, he's amazing. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's see. So I've, I've decided I was going to do my three in um, my least liked to my favorite. Oh, okay. I'm saving my favorite for last. That's great. And I have a funny story to go with it. But first I wanted to talk about basically the ring which is Japanese. The original is Japanese. The one that we've seen with, um, I was going to say Rada Mitchell, but we already, it's not yes. her. We've already decided, we already looked it up. We did. Is that, that was 
that wasn't Jennifer Connelly. That was Dark Water. Who is the, who is, it's not Rada Mitchell. It's the other woman. It's Naomi Watts. Naomi Watts, Good that's grief. right. I'm sorry. And I'm doing, my husband gets them confused all the time. I was thinking blonde. They so. don't look anything alike. <laughs> They're just both blonde. Yes. And they do that sort of thing. Rada Mitchell. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> um, so the ring, but the Japanese version, which I'm going to butcher because I don't speak Japanese, but it's just like Ringu. It's not it's basically ring, but in Japanese. Rada Mitchell is Silent Hill. Okay, thanks. See, I get them. I know they don't look alike. I just forget which name goes to which person. That's fair. But um, so the American one stars Naomi Watts, but of course the Japanese one came first. And they are basically the same plot where, you know, you watch the video and then in seven days you see the ring and you die. Um, but the, the, the plots are sort of different as in the main girl or some Samara Samara, Samara yeah. in the American one she was like adopted and abused and in the original Japanese version um I believe her name is Sadako mm -hmm. and she it was believed that she had psychic powers and a lot of people like think that she's faking it and it becomes a whole thing and so like her mom dies her father dies and she her father kills her, her I think something mm -hmm. like so that they their backstories are different. Um, obviously, the actresses playing the like main mother, i.e. Naomi Watts character, are very different. But I like the Japanese version better, not just because it was the original um, and the American one is a copycat, but American horror movies, especially when there's like a ghost, the graphics or the choices that they tend to make with the characters is very different. Samara coming out of the TV or whatever she's crawling, it's very jerky and sort of like staticky movement, where in the Asian one, Sadako is very fluid. Oh, yeah. And it almost, it creeps me out more mm -hmm. when they're just kind of, she's just kind of floating along or like, it's almost like she's minding her business and you just happen to be in her way, which isn't true because you've seen the ring. She's going to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, I don't know, the jerky movement in the American version of Samara, I think is how you say her name. It's almost comical where in the Japanese version, it's just, it's just creepier. I just tend to like the way Korean and Japanese directors just do ghosts in general. So if there's ever like an Asian version of anything, I'm always probably going to defer to that one. Yeah. Yeah. I just prefer it. So that's my first one. If you've never seen the uh, Japanese version, you should check it out. It's really good. It is really good. Yeah. And I saw both of them pretty close proximity to each other. Okay. And I remember liking both of them. And, you know, for rewatch value, I'd probably prefer to watch the Asian version. Yeah. But I thought that both of them did things very well. Yeah. The American one is definitely very good for its own reasons. I think the horse scene in the American one was really good. Yes, that was really good. That was probably That's my true. favorite part of it. But then some of the actual video and the way that the actual Ringu girl mm -hmm. is, you know, Sadako is actually portrayed yeah. as a lot scarier. Yeah, a lot scarier. In the, in the Japanese version. Yeah. I also think that they kind of sell it a little bit better in the Japanese version. They do. But I think that might just come from the fact that their ghosts look like that and our ghosts don't. That's true. That's true. It was very, they tried in the American one to make it sort of true to the original. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. Our ghosts don't typically look like that. Our ghosts are more... I don't, do, I don't know if we have a shared Western know. aesthetic for I don't ghosts. know either. The But the Asian aesthetic for ghosts is typically very much like... 
unless the ghost is actively engaging with you or attacking you, a lot. One thing I love is that a lot of times they're just there. They they just exist in the space. That was one thing that was a definite common thread, whether it was Korean or Japanese, which I began to love about Asian ghosts stories was that you know how in most movies as a viewer you're watching and you know the main character's like sitting in a bedroom on a bed and they're like freaking out because something just happened and the camera's panning around and you know as a horror fan you can tell like okay the camera's gonna pan around there's gonna be a ghost at some point in the frame Mm -hmm. and in an American story the ghost is often like on the ceiling in some weird position or they're like right over the character's shoulder where in Asian movies a lot of times the ghost is just just standing in the corner yeah just kind of like hanging out chilling in the corner and you see it and the main character does not because of course they're not supposed to that's the way it's written but just that that factor that like oh this thing isn't necessarily attached to you it's just existing and you are unfortunately in its space is like so much more unnerving to me that's actually kind of what haunting of hill house no yes 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 the netflix series yes the netflix series That's one thing that I feel Haunting of Hill House did very well is that um, you've seen it, right? Mm -hmm. So the scenes where one bent neck lady, she typically is just there. Yeah, She's not attacking. She's not in some, I mean, other than the fact that her neck is bent, she's not always in some weird, awkward contortionist position. Like, Mm -hmm. no, she exists in this space and you happen to be in her space at the same time. Like, I actually really liked that about the series was the fact that they kind of snuck those ghosts into the side. Yes. Which I think is actually another thing that I liked better in, in Asian horror movies is that in American horror movies, we're very soundtrack heavy. Mm, so every mm-hmm. time that there is a jump scare, every time that there is something weird that goes on, they don't want you to miss it. So they will do some kind of like sudden screechy violin or, yes. or electric synth sound or whatever else. They enhance the sound so you can't possibly miss it. But the fact that you do kind of miss it almost or that like, oh, what was that? I have to go back and rewind right, right. is part of the like creep factor, I think. Yes. And Asian horror movies are better about letting that just kind of exist in the background. Right. Like you, that's a good point. I don't, it's really rare for me to jump at a jump scare because I, I know they're coming. Mm-hmm. They want you to know they're coming because for some people, it's the anticipation that builds them up and makes them jump and scream. But for me, you know, we've watched so many at this point. I'm kind of like, oh, oh here, here comes, there's going to be a ghost in the corner. Oh, there's the thing in the corner. Great. Like, it's not, it's not even entertaining anymore. But that's a good point. It's because of the music. I didn't think about that. Asian horror, mm-hmm. the music is just, it just is. It yeah. is whatever it is. And they don't change it. For the fact that, like, the fact that something scary is about to happen, it's, the music's probably not going to change. It's probably going to be the same, and you're just going to have to experience it the same way you would if you were physically there, like if it was real. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't get jump scare music in real life. No. They, <laughs> I think they use silence more effectively. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good one. Oh, okay. So, Tomie, since we, we, we brought up Ooh. Junjo Ida. Yeah. yeah. Junja Ito. Ito. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So, Tomie has like six movies or something ridiculous some <laughs> some horrifying number of spin-offs and i have seen i feel like i've seen like all of them i haven't seen any okay i need to pick up I need so to get the first one follows the first arc which is the introduction of tomie mm-hmm. which is just there's this very beautiful very selfish woman who had or, or girl i should say who has this sway over men she seduces them and at some point 
she, her love, her beauty, her cruelty drives them to murder her. But she never dies. She right. always comes back. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the reoccurring theme for all of them, all of the movies. Right. Um, and all of the stories that, that he's written about them. But the first movie's okay. The second movie's okay. I think the fir- third movie's like an anthology of shorts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the fourth movie is amazing. <laughs> Which is such a weird thing to say about right. a movie series. Why is the fourth movie so much better than the others? I have no clue. But I think part of it is that it doesn't really open with Tomie. Okay. It actually opens with an art student and he's painting and his girlfriend is there and she's telling him he's not a very good artist, you know, that he's never going to be able to make a living off of it, that, you know, they're kind of doomed if, if, if he right. can't get his life together. And he just straight up takes one of the paint knives and murders her. And you're just like, <laughs> oh my God. Like, <laughs> it comes out of nowhere. <laughs> And then he calls his friends who, as good friends do, come over and help him bury the body. Oh, yes. That's, <laughs> that's how you know they're good friends. Right. No no questions asked. No. And it's only the first, like, 10 minutes of the movie, but the pacing is so good mm-hmm. for it. Everything constantly kind of happens. All the characters get, like, really involved. There's only, like, four guy characters and maybe, like, two, two three girl characters. Okay. So it's a very small central cast, but they all get so much focus that you really feel like they're well-rounded by the end of it. And it's just... I finished it going, wow, like this should have been the first movie because what Tomie tends to drive these men to these crazed acts of madness. She's the victim, but she also turns them into victims by making them go bad. Mm -hmm. But every once in a while, she'll come across a girl who has her quality. Like she has something about her that's Tomie-esque. Maybe she has a similar birthmark or beauty mark, right? Or or she's Mm -hmm. got, you know, the same long dark hair and she sort of single white females her in a weird way. And so Mm -hmm. that becomes like an interesting side plot for for that. And uh, the girl characters actually end up being more of a focus. It's almost like the guys are the token love interest, even right. though they kind of kicked off the movie. So I just thought it was, especially for an Asian movie, which doesn't tend to give a lot of female actresses agency, or at least back in 2001, mm-hmm. right? Tomie Rebirth, but it's the fourth movie, I remember, out of um, all of the Tomie movies. <laughs> you wouldn't expect people to stick around long enough for it. The first three aren't that great. But there are people like us in the world who just will watch them regardless. Yeah, and that was definitely one of those blockbuster, I'm going to go through all these Tomie movies. I'm watch them all, because why not? Um, I've never seen those movies, but I've read that graphic novel, uh, Tomie, and that was, I mean, it's its Junji Ito. He's one of my favorites. It's really good. And then they did an anime, Junji Ito Collection. Which I have not seen. Which is all shorts. And because Tomie is a recurring character, she's a recurring, those are recur- recurring shorts oh. in the show. Um, and each short is maybe, you know, like 12 to 15 minutes long. They take up half of a typical anime episode. Oh. It's one short. And in the series, in the anime at least, she... It's like when you kill her, her parts like grow new Tomie's. So it's kind of creepy because they always all look like her. Like you'll see her, you know, totally belittle some dude and make him feel bad about himself. And then he murders her as they do. Mm -hmm. And then they cut her into pieces. And then later you'll see those pieces. Like this hand is growing a body. This arm is growing a body. This head is growing more. And so all these Tomie bits are growing into more Tomie bits. And so it leads you to think that like, 
maybe now there are hundreds or thousands of Tomies spanning the globe because where do all these new Tomies go? You know what I mean? It's not a Highlander sort of thing where there can only be one. <laughs> um, and then it's also kind of like, which where's the original? Like yeah. how long ago did she die? It's pretty, it's pretty creepy. But in the in the anime they always look exactly the same. So, mm-hmm. you know, because it, it's, I think it's easier in real life with live action people to have them look a little different. Mm-hmm. But it, when drawing, no, you kind of need to know that that's her. Yeah. Like, yeah. So in the, in the, in the manga or the graphic novel and the, and the show, she always looks exactly the same. I think she has like a beauty mark, right? She does. That's yeah. like her, one of her markers. Yeah. Sort of a, a Marilyn Monroe sort of like yeah. right under your eye sort of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She does. And so, you know, it's like, oh, it's Tomie. She's back. She's got a new guy and she's gonna, in one of the short, in one of the anime episodes, it's an entire like school class. They go on this field trip and all the girls are off doing one thing and all of the boys are murdering and oh cutting Tomie into bits. And once they get her into bits, they then share the bits with the girls and everybody has to take a piece of her somewhere off and like discard of it. It's, yeah, pretty gruesome, but bonding. <laughs> but yeah, it's class bonding. They all had to get rid of this just, girl, just like Suicide Circle. <laughs> bonding. bonding, right? They all had that one thing in common that made them friends, and they were like, "We're gonna suicide together, guys." Um, <laughs> slash murder this person. <laughs> we're gonna murder this girl that we all hate for some reason whatsoever. That's that's her thing. That's what she does. <laughs> Make people hate her. Make people so hate her. So that they her. will murder her. Exactly. Like, you just watch her just bully these poor guys. Because they they seem like nice guys. They're never jerks. They're always, like, trying their best. And she just, like, pushes and pushes and pushes. And then until they literally just snap. Yeah, she never, like, targets a jerk. No. You know, never. like, she might flirt with one. But the ones that she pushes to the breaking point are always, like, that nice, stereotypical, mild-mannered, yes. like, Japanese boy. And right. she just, like, breaks this them. This boy who's just, like, so grateful that this beautiful, beautiful woman is even interested in him. And he'll do whatever she needs to, so that he can keep her. She's the prettiest girl in school or wherever. And then she just totally <laughs> just puts him down. It's kind of sad for the boys, but... It is. It's kind of... It's cool the way that it's set up, though, because it could go, it so easily could fall into that misogynistic, women are terrible sort of shtick, but it never really manages it. And I think it's because even though you can't sympathize with Tomie, she's (laughs) inhuman. (laughs) She never really has a not uncalculated moment of, of like weakness. Right. There are other female characters who are kind of like, what is happening? Why, you know, mm-hmm. or they'll try to reach out to Tomie or they try to redeem these, these ruined men. And right. you really feel for them more as the main character, I guess. Yeah. It's definitely like, it's not all women are bad. It's this woman. Yeah. This one woman is the worst. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good, I need to watch those. Movies. Okay. Um, my next one is Juon or, um, in American, it was the grudge. Yes. The grudge. Um, I actually saw the grudge before I saw Juon. Hmm. Um, so I think me too, actually the grudge for me was the first time in probably a decade that a horror movie actually scared me 
Like I am typically unscarable. I don't, you don't get me with the jump scares. I'm not creeped out. Honestly, the only movies that even sort of unnerve me typically are like demon possession because I was raised in the church. So I believe Satan is real. So I believe, so possession and demon stories really get me um, because I'm like, oh, I feel like this could happen. The grudge, I literally what what year was that let me i should have looked this up oh bad research we just apologize <laughs> for this but the grudge was the first movie i don't know maybe since i was a child where i watched through my fingers oh wow I, right i am 2004 2004 so i am 25 years old <laughs> i'm a grown i'm a full grown adult woman in the movie theater with my knees in the chair with me and my finger, I'm watching this movie through my fingers. It was, for me, the best movie experience ever. Cause that's what you want when you go to see scary movies is mm-hmm. to be like so terrified that you want to like pull your blanket up to your nose like a kid who's trying to hide. Like, yeah. and so I watched it and I was like, oh, oh shit. Now I have to see this original. Like it's gotta be amazing, right? Like it can't get, oh, how does this go? And so, I found Juan probably at a blockbuster. (laughs) (laughs) We're shilling a company that's out of business like a lot. (laughs) We are. They they went out of business so long. Of course, I got Juan and I watched it. And I will say this is, I liked the original, but I think I like the American one better. Really? Um, I don't know if you've seen Juan. I've seen both, yes. So I feel like the American one, the storyline was a little easier to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that had I seen Juon first, I would have been able to keep up. Like, I, there were some points where, like, the timeline isn't completely linear and there are, like, flashbacks and things like that. And I got a little lost, which doesn't happen often for me. And it could have been a little bit of reading subtitles and trying to keep up at the same time. And there were definitely scenes in the original Japanese version that I thought were done better, but I did not have the same, I didn't have anywhere near the same physical response to the original as I did to the American one, which is weird because typically American horror movies don't do anything for me. I watch them because I, I don't know, I like watching people be murdered. Is that weird? <laughs> it's, it can't be weird. There are too many of us in the world. <laughs> I think I like it because the formula soothes me. And then when it breaks the formula, I'm genuinely happy and surprised, I guess. (laughs) I do like, not a lot better, but I do like the American one slightly better. I remember that actually scaring me too. And I did see that in theaters. And I think maybe if, if any of our listeners are not particularly freaked out by this movie, you might not have seen it right at release in the theater. Because it, yes. it was like paranormal activity in that it was an experience. Like it the was. whole theater fell silent. The whole theater screamed yes, out. Yes, no one, everyone was kind of like, every, and I looked around, I wasn't the only one like, <laughs> I'm going to cover my face for this. Like, I'm so nervous. Like, like <laughs> The casting was really good. And I liked the fact that they kept Asian roles yes. in the remake. Yes. I think that's what kind Both of helped sell Both versions are still it. in Japan. Yes. Um, and so a lot of the characters are still Asian, even though I think in the American one, like our main... The main family's not. The main not. family is not. But everyone else around them was. Yes. And, yeah. and then Bill Pullman's in it. which <laughs> Right. <laughs> it's like, 
this is all Bill Pullman's fault. <laughs> it is all Bill Pullman's fault. <laughs> right, but they're both still in. They they really did a good job in the American one of trying to keep sort of true to the original with some changes. Yeah, yeah and I do think changes. yeah, I do think it made it a lot easier to follow for American audiences. Yeah. Than than the uh than the original Japanese. So when I think of Juon, I, I think of this one scene that scared me, and I actually think it might have been from the sequel. I don't even think it was from the first oh, one. Okay. But it's the curse kind of gets out. It's no longer tied to the house. Yes. Was that the sequel? That's the sequel. Mm-hmm. And there's this one scene where it's kind of jumping from person to person. Yeah. And it's like a little kid outside of a salon. And just oh. the way that the kid gets like swallowed by the darkness yeah. and then the ghost kind of transfers or the curse transfers to the salon. However they shot that, I just remember being really creepy. <laughs> it was a really well shot scene, but I could tell you absolutely nothing else about that movie. <laughs> right. And everything that I'm remembering about the sequel is the American version, not the Oh yeah. I don't even Asian think I one. saw the American that, version. That scene is not in the American uh, version. I've seen them both. But I, everything I'm remembering right now is about, because I think, wasn't it like Sarah Michelle Geller or somebody in the second one? I thought it was the, Amber Tamlin. The, oh, maybe. I don't know. I'm, I'm terrible with names. <laughs> as like the girl, as like the sister who was coming back to Japan. Yes, to like, it was the sister. Right, because her sister, she doesn't know what happened and she doesn't believe them and she's doing the whole, I have to go find out for myself sort of thing. That was the American sequel. But the sister was Sarah Michelle Geller, so we're both right. Oh, so we're both right. Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> But it was definitely the sort of thing where I, I apologize to anybody who's never seen it because now you have to watch it like on TV. Yeah. It, it is not the same. My mother cannot watch scary movies. The last, I think I've said this before, the last scary movie she saw in theaters was the original Exorcist. Right. Oh, no, before I couldn't remember the name of the oh, movie. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's the Exorcist. The original, the original 70s oh, wow. Exorcist was the last scary movie my mother saw in theaters and she watched The Grudge No Problem. And I was like, oh, this, it clearly does not translate when you're watching it on television in your own home. <laughs> As opposed to a pitch black dark theater with that giant screen. Um, so I'm sorry for those of you who didn't get to experience like that. Right. It made a significant difference. Much. Yeah. Very significant. Very significant. What's your next one? Oh, yes. I guess <laughs> I'm up next. Let me see. Oh, okay. So my favorite... Asian horror movie is not Japanese. It's actually Korean and it's the tale, a tale of two sisters. Okay. There is a really, the funny thing is that we kind of picked a lot of, of the movies that are a little bit well, more well known because they did end up having American proxies. Yeah. So this one also had an American remake called the uninvited. And I want to tell you that I was really hyped for this movie when it came out (laughs) and I, I enjoyed it for what it was. I sure did, but they changed it. And A Tale of Two Sisters, if you don't know, is very well known for its twist ending. So I'm sorry if that kills you. Spoiler alert. But also, this is a really well-known Asian horror movie. It was, for a while, the highest grossing Korean movie, period. I think it was, I think it was edged out by Old Boy and that that revenge trilogy. Yeah. But for a while, it was the highest grossing movie. And for obvious reasons, it's really well structured. It's really well acted. It's got a lot of focus on female characters and it has a really cool twist. We're basically following this young girl who is coming back from the hospital. Her father, you can tell from the way that her father treats her that She's been sick. She's been ill. Something tragic has happened. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, you know from the beginning that the mother is dead. 
and she comes back uh, with her sister, and I believe that they're they're either twins or they're very close in age because okay. they're they're very close, and the two of them come back to the house. The father is working a lot of the time, so they're in the care of their stepmother. And their stepmother, you find out through the course of the movie, used to be the nurse for their dying mother. Okay. And so there's a lot of animosity. There's a lot of blame. There's not really a, oh, you killed my mom kind of vibe, but more of a, this is inappropriate. This was disrespectful. Like Mm -hmm. this happened, you know, right under my mother's nose kind of thing. And as we're going through it, everyone's behavior kind of gets more and more erratic. And there's a lot of cuts that don't seem to make a lot of sense. And then when you get to the end, everything kind of clicks into place because you realize that the young girl who's the main character is the only female character. That all the other female characters Mm -hmm. were her delusions or her actions. And that she was completely unaware. Wow. And you actually don't find out until the father keeps picking fights with the stepmother keeps picking fights with her and at some point is like fine i'm gonna go get her and he comes back with the real stepmother oh <laughs> and you're like oh what wow and it's kind of cool and it's one of those this is one of those things that like how how mature are you as a as a viewer of uh horror movies because Mm -hmm. a lot of guys that I'll watch horror movies with can go with like all kinds of crazy you know nudity and 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 blood and guts and everything exploding all over the place but the only clue you get is that all three girls get their periods at the same time okay and it's nothing really explicit right but the fact that periods came up was like when I watched it in college (laughs) in a big group it was one of those things where like every guy in the room was like Oh, I didn't need to know that. You did, though. It's a plot but point. But you did. It's a plot point. <laughs> right. It matters that they their periods are at the same time. Right. Because <laughs> like, then we realize that, oh. It's significant. It's significant because <laughs> they're the same person. But the whole thing turns out to be kind of a coping mechanism for this traumatic experience that she had mm-hmm. when she was living in the house. And her sister goes to check on the mom. And her mom has hung herself oh. because she found out about the affair. And she's hung herself inside this heavy dresser. And when the sister opens the door, the dresser falls on her. Oh, my God. And so, of course, this this makes a huge noise. (laughs) And when the younger sister goes, or when the older sister, the main character, goes to check on it, she runs into the stepmother. And the stepmother sees the little girl getting crushed to death. And the sister says something rude to her, like, I hate you. Get out of my house. Why are you always ruining everything? And the stepmother goes, I want you to remember this moment for the rest of your life and just leaves. And so we know what happened was no one saved them. Right. And so both the mother and the little sister die. die. And so all of this has been like her reaction too. So, <laughs> so the father never did marry the stepmother because even though they had this affair because of this horrible traumatic thing right. that happened. But then when you feel like you've got it all figured out, at the end, there really is a ghost. And the ghost really does come for the stepmother. And you're like, oh. So it's just like, <laughs> it, it, it gives you the twist. It says, oh, it's not a ghost story. And then it says, oh, yes, no, it really is. And, and I think the problem with the American version is we don't get that twist at the end. It's all, it's, and it's not a delusion. It becomes a deliberate farce that the, the girl puts on mm-hmm. to get away with taking a revenge killing. And while that sounds way more American, right. it just wasn't... I mean, it's such a a tragic, interesting movie, 
because it doesn't reveal the whole story up until the most perfect point. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that's something that Asian films tend to do a little bit better with their pacing. Whereas American films are like, you're going to get bored, have an explosion. Like (laughs) actually there's literally an explosion in the uninvited. I think the boathouse blows up for no reason. It's something something like that. I've seen the uninvited. I I remember the uninvited. It wasn't that great. My husband says that we've seen a tale of two sisters together. And I don't remember. I remember that dresser though. I have clearly have seen this. I mm-hmm. remember that part because I was like, what the heck? You're not gonna, but she's hit the girl. Okay. <laughs> I remember being like devastated that they weren't yes, helping the this ste- child. The stepmother let this, the good kid right. get crushed to death to teach the other one a lesson. Right. You're like, oh, oh. Like, how, how you can't be anyone's mother. Like, what are you, like, that's not how this works. So my final one is actually the audition, yes. which does not, as far as I know, have an American counterpart. I don't think so. I don't think it does. Which I'm I've glad. never seen anything similar to it. I cannot tell you why it's my favorite. I genuinely have no rhyme or reason to it. It's not even particularly scary. There aren't any ghosts or jump scares or demons or monsters. It's just one psychotic woman. Um, so basically, the audition is about a um, a widower, a man, a widower, whose son convinces him that it's like time for him to get back out there and meet a woman. So um, a friend of his, who I believe is a, like a director or movie producer yeah, or something, something like that, they hold a casting call and they have auditions. And these women coming for the audition think that they're auditioning for a part, and they are. They're auditioning for the part of this man's wife. They don't know that though um, at the time. So, you know, they get their resumes and headshots and they, the guy, you know, this man and his friend interview these women or whatever. And through all of that, he comes to like this one woman whose name is Asami. And so because he comes to like her, he actually sort of does the, oh, hey, you know, I saw you at the audition, but you're, you seem pretty cool. Can we go out? And so they do. They go out on a date. It seems to be cool. She seems to be nice. He realizes she's a little strange, maybe a little weird, but he doesn't think twice about it. They sort of begin to date, but the more he learns about her, the weirder she seems. He, you know, because it was an audition, she left a resume. He tries to like contact her references to learn more about her. Most of them are fake. He comes across this bar or restaurant where she used to work and it's closed down and there was like a a dismembered body, like a body was found at the place and that's why it's shut down by the police. He finds out that when they found this body, in this bar or restaurant, they also found like extra parts, like an extra foot. There were three extra fingers. There was an extra ear that did not go with the body that was originally there. And you think, oh, that's unusual. (laughs) Why are there extra parts? And then there's a flashback to her in her home with, and spoilers ahead. So if you don't (laughs) want to know, you can stop now. But um, to her in her home, with a man, a living man in like a sack, like a burlap sack. We see her open the sack. The man crawls out. He is missing that foot and that ear and those three fingers. And Asami vomits into a dog bowl and puts it in front of this man. It's like making my stomach turn. Yes. (laughs) She vomits into the bowl, puts it in front of this man. And he like engulfs it because he's so hungry but like you can tell by the way he like begs her for food and she does this that this is their routine like this is his life now he's in this bag until she lets him out and 
he eats her vomit. Like he does not recoil. There is no reaction whatsoever when he approaches this bowl of vomit. Like you can tell oh, he's been here a while. Mm -hmm. This is how he lives. And so, um, of course, over time, <laughs> true, to, true to fatal attraction, she like breaks into the guy's house, finds this picture of his dead wife, because we know he's a widower mm -hmm. and she is now enraged and, um, she drugs him. And the rest of the movie is kind of this like switch between which is the dream and which is not. Yeah. Because we see she drugs his, like this bottle of alcohol he drinks, he comes home, he gets a drink. He like passes out from this drug that she's put into it. And then when we come back to him in his home, she's got him tied up. And she is clearly about to torture him where, and that's juxtaposed with him like waking up in a hotel room where they've spent a night together. And so is the hotel real life and the torture the dream or is the torture real life and the hotel the dream? I'm pretty sure the torture is the real life. Yeah. And that the hotel is the dream. Because at the end, I think his son yes. saves him. And the son, it's kind of cool the way it's set up because I actually read the novel. I read the translation of the novel. Oh, okay. It's very, very close. But they do a little bit more emphasis in the fact that this perfect, blissful, young, beautiful woman mm -hmm. is super interested in him and yes. he's boring. He's well-connected. He's got money, but he knows he's not the best-looking guy. He's not very right. interesting. He has a very boring life. His old wife, he loved her a lot, but she wasn't a beauty or anything like that. Right. And so he just had a comfortable life. And this is this weird sort of fantasy he's living out at the behest of his weird, glamorous director friend. Right. <laughs> and for some reason, it seems to be working for him. And the fact that this whole relationship is a dream. Yeah. And his reality is his son and the actual life that he has. And mm -hmm. he has to kind of choose that life. And that life is what saves him when I think Shiro, I think is the son, so, yeah, something, something like, like that, that. When yeah. he pops back up and, um, and manages to actually save uh, save his father, but his father doesn't get away unscathed. He's no, she's, by the time the son enters, she's already cut off one of his feet with like saw wire. Yeah. Basically. Um, so he's already experienced that. And I think she's like about to cut the other foot yeah. when the son comes in. And of course she interacts with the son, but the son wins and like pushes her down some stairs. Yeah. Something like that. And like in the movie, at least she dies as she's like, when she first met him at the audition, she makes this comment about being so happy to meet him. And as she's like dying at the bottom of the stairs, she's got this like face on that's just like, oh, I'm so happy to have met you. Because she's crazy. She's yeah. a Looney Tune. I love that movie so much. I just really <laughs> liked, I think, I can't remember if it's in the movie or the novel or both, but she has this conversation with him where he's like, but I love you. There is no one else. I would right. absolutely have married you. And she said, I don't want to share you with your son or your coworkers yes. or anyone else. Yes. So I'm going to keep you in a bag forever. Yes. And it's just like, whoa, like she doesn't even want, this isn't one of those, those, if you just paid enough attention to them or if you just gave them what they want, right. what no. she wants is the extreme. It's literally his, I cannot have anyone else undying love and attention. Yeah. Like I'm going to keep you in the back forever. Yeah. She absolutely has a conversation with him, at least in the movie. Yes. I've never read the book, but in the movie, she's like, no, I, that's why that picture enrages her so much because even though I want to say she knows that his wife is dead. It yeah. doesn't matter. She sees a picture of him happy with some other woman who's not her. And she flies off into a rage and is like, well, time to enact my plan. I'm going to cut your foot, cut your feet off and keep you in a bag. It's so weird and creepy. I love it so much. <laughs> I really, the, the bag moving before you a hundred percent know what's in the bag. Yes. There's a couple of cuts to it. 
where it's just like moving and you're like, oh, that's creepy and probably a person. Right, because you kind of see a bag. And like, of course, you can't tell when a person's bald because the priest like fetal position in this yeah. bag. You can't tell what it is. And it kind of moves and you're like, oh, that's a little weird. Whatever. Okay. And he come back. It's like, mm, it's still a little weird. Ooh, is it a person? <laughs> and you laugh it off. Whatever. And you're like, oh my God, it is a person. Oh my God. <laughs> she just bobbed it in a bowl. My stomach turns. <laughs> just imagining her. Cause she just like nonchalant. Just like, Wah. like, oh, mm-hmm. it's so, so unnerving. And I love it so much. Well, I think it's like suicide circle and that they're both about this super Japanese kind of cultural yes. expectations of like women in society and stuff like and young she's people. So, she's petite and beautiful and she's well put together and she carries herself. She's very demure and she says all the right things and mm-hmm. she does all the right things. And so you think she's, and then she goes home and she's a psychopath. <laughs> and even before you see the bag, I think her apartment has no furniture in it. None, and you're kind of no. like, mm, that's weird. None. She's a dancer. I remember that being a plot point Okay, that he said when the producer friend says, hey, what qualifications do you want? I can get you anything you want. You want big boobs? You want oh, right, whatever? Because they think it's a, they think they're yeah. auditioning, auditioning for a movie. Right? And he says, I don't really care. You know, of course, uh, you know, it, it, after being prodded and pushed, he names like that perfect Japanese. There's a, like, there's a term for it, but there's this. Uh, this ideal demure long dark hair mm-hmm. whatever and the only qualification he adds to it uh, besides the absolute stereotype is that I want her to have some kind of training like dance because I, I think that that shows good like discipline or consistency right. but then it turns out her dance is related to her being completely nuts <laughs> because she like gets her legs broken or something and that's why she yes, can't dance anymore. That's right. And that's like the beginning of her no one can function without me. Right. Like complex comes from the fact that she had that dance training. So his specification is the thing that like <laughs> that, that, that like totally ruins his whole life. And <laughs> he just been a little less picky. <laughs> Maybe he might have made it. It's so good. It's so dark. My husband, when we were dating, he first of all, he did not enjoy horror before me um which i didn't know because of course being a man you can't dare let this petite girl watch these scary (laughs) movies and know that you're afraid of them and so he would watch he'd be like what do you want to watch and i'd be like this scary movie that looks great and he'd watch it with me i didn't know until like years later that he was afraid of horror movies before (laughs) he just had to man up because he's trying to impress me because we're dating that's Mm -hmm. how that's how things are and so at some point i don't remember when he asked me what my favorite horror movie was and i told him it was the audition because it is like to this day and i wasn't thinking oh this dude that i'm dating is probably gonna be really weirded out by the fact that i'm about to show him this movie about this man meeting a woman who's psychotic and wants to keep him in a bag I didn't think of that at all. But in hindsight, he's not he doesn't live in a bag. He's no, no. healthy and well and has both his feet. He does. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not actually a crazy woman. I just really love horror. Yes. Yes. And once she threw up in that bowl, I was like, this is it for me. This is my movie. <laughs> yeah, it's because that's the first like really out of character thing that she does. Um, yes. The, the Japanese term is Yamato Nadeshiko. And okay. it means 
like the ideal woman and it's mm. that all of those stereotypes yeah. put together in one person and she acts like that even the things that she says that are off you can play off as oh she's shy or yes. you know he's so much older than her and she's not sure how to act because <laughs> she says stuff like oh you're so sophisticated you're you know you're so you're so experienced and he's like because uh-huh. <laughs> right. he's, like, oh, he's a man <laughs> pretty girl loves and pretty girl's into me yeah it's cool and then you get to her house and there's a bag and then yeah. she vomits in a bowl and, and you're, you're like, like oh, oh no this isn't what nice girls do at all. <laughs> this is gonna ride quickly. <laughs> it just takes a turn so fast. <laughs> it's good. You should find it. Absolutely. <laughs> Top rated. Oh, that was fun. All right. So till next time. Cool. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. <laughs>